Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And I am super excited to have a return guest on, Karen Martell. She specializes in hormone replacement. And as you know, at our pharmacy, that's what we specialize in. So she's going to give us some education on how diet affects hormones. When we had her on last time, we just didn't get a chance to discuss it. And um, I really wanted to have it all, have a show completely dedicated to it because as we tell all of our patients at Mosley Lake Professional Pharmacy, hormones are only a piece of the puzzle. Diet is important. Our lifestyle and exercise are also important. So um, to get your optimal benefit of hormones, you need to um, watch your diet. And um, Karen is going to talk about how diet affects hormones. So Karen, without further ado, uh, welcome back to our show. Well, thanks for having me back, you guys. I, I love being here and I'm excited Sean's coming on my podcast next week. So be sure everyone to tune into that because we're going to dive deep into the whole world of bioidentical hormones. So that's great. I'm super excited to be on. So hormones and diet. First off, I think everybody can agree that it's really, really loud out there right now when it comes to diet. Sean and I were just talking about this before we got on air about the carnivore diet versus the vegan diet. And there's a lot of hate and a lot of anger going on about which diet is right and what diet should we be doing and the ketogenic world, the fasting world. And I'll tell you right now, I've been in this industry now for over 25 years working with every diet under the sun. And I really feel like I've probably done every diet under the sun as well. And what I've come to realize over and over and over again is it really does come down to what is going on with you and your body. And when we're talking about hormones, we can really dial in our diet to support whatever hormonal imbalances or whatever hormonal phase we're in in our life. And you will find research. If you like, if you go on to PubMed, you will find research that backs up vegan diets, the carnivore diet, the paleo diet, the ketogenic diet, every all oh, the the Mediterranean diet, the blue zone diet, there's stuff to back it all up. There's science to show that carbs are good for you. Then there's science that shows that carbs aren't good for you. Then there's science that shows that animal protein is good for you. And then it's not good for you. Point being, you got to listen to what your body needs to shut the noise out, turn off your dang social media and tune in to say, okay, what are my hormones doing right now? Now, what is the best diet for that hormonal imbalance? And then be open to changing that because it's going to probably fix those problems. And then you may need to shift out of that diet. Some of these diets I really believe aren't good for long-term for a lot of women specifically. A lot of the really popular stuff right now, the intermittent fasting, ketogenic carnivore, 
there's a place and a time for that. And there's some people that do need to maybe follow those diets for the rest of their life. But in most cases, they can be used as a therapeutic tool. And when things have healed, it's important for people to move away from that. So we can jump in now and talk about different hormonal imbalances, depending on what your hormone results have told you. So you go in, you get your hormone done, your hormones tested. You've got your bioidentical hormones from Sean. <laughs> You're ready to roll. And a lot of women think I'm going to slap these on and it's going to be this magical weight loss cure. And it just doesn't work like that. So when it comes to what's happening hormonally and what diet should be done. So let's go through some of the most common hormonal imbalances that we're seeing today. So number one for women, of course, polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's the leading cause of infertility in women right now. When a woman has polycystic ovarian syndrome, she will have insulin resistance and typically high testosterone goes with that. So on your labs, you'll see this really elevated testosterone as well as an elevated blood sugar, like elevated hemoglobin A1C, insulin. So when we see that, we immediately have to also check what is the thyroid doing because the thyroid has a massive impact on PCOS. And there's two very different diets, one for thyroid, one for PCOS and insulin resistance, and the two don't go very well together. So always check those two first. Now, if it's just PCOS and there's no hypothyroidism with it, we need to be doing a lower carb diet and that's when things like the carnivore diet, I, I honestly, like, I've never seen a diet work so well as carnivore for reversing insulin resistance. And it's going to be tough for some people, but I'll, I'll have people that have been on a ketogenic diet for a year and their hemoglobin A1C is still terrible. They're still insulin resistant or type two diabetic. And they're like, what? Like all I'm eating is vegetables, fat and meat. How is this possible, Karen? I put them on a carnivore and I'm not kidding you one week, their insulin resistance reverses. It can happen that wow. fast. And I don't know, like I've, I've interviewed Paul Saladino and Sean Baker and I've asked them like, what do you think that is? Like, could, could it honestly be that just that little amount of fibrous vegetables could be still impacting someone's blood sugar? They didn't have an answer. So I'm not sure it's just like, I think it's just that complete removal that seems to really kick it into gear and help to reverse it. But we don't want to stay there for too long. <laughs> right. Like I said, we want to pull out of that as fast as possible, right? We want to heal. And then we want to start putting those fibrous vegetables back in and seeing if we can tolerate them. If it's hypothyroidism with PCOS, you don't want to go carnivore. There's a lot of controversy in the whole keto world and carnivore world about whether or not those a low carb diet will affect your thyroid. And they'll tell you, and you'll hear this all the time, that nope, it doesn't. It just, you know, we'll see T3 going down, our free T3 going down, but that's just because we're utilizing our thyroid better. Bull crap, everybody. That's not true. If you actually look in the studies and you go into PubMed, and I've done I've done this because I was like, I need the answer once and for all. So I dug through all the research. Everything showed 
that if you go on a calorie restricted diet or a low carb diet, and most of the cases, low carb diets do create a calorie restriction naturally mm -hmm. because you just can't overeat animal protein. It's very challenging. It's one, it's the reason why keto and carnivore can work so well for weight loss because it does create a natural calorie restriction without trying. When we see low calorie, it does it for too long. There is actually a form of hypothyroidism that is caused by low calorie. And so what starts to happen is that T4 to T3 conversion starts to become altered because there's not enough carbohydrates in the diet. And this is science. You can find it. And I've also proven it in my own practice. I have literally worked with thousands of women with hypothyroidism, and they've all seemed to have tried ketogenic diets at some point, right? Because it was the most popular diet out there. And they've come back to say, majority of them came back to say, that did not work. I didn't lose a single pound. I felt terrible. Some did fine. Some did good on it. Great. Awesome. But some didn't. And what I also saw and I still see to this day all the time is women that went on a ketogenic diet or carnivore diet did amazing for the first couple of months, lost all this weight, was like, this is it. This is my diet. And a year later, two years later, suddenly without changing anything, they gain all the weight back. And all of these symptoms start to, to show up like hair loss, insomnia, fatigue, skin dryness, hypothyroidism. I see their, their thyroid going down. I personally tested my own thyroid before starting a keto fasting diet and then tested it afterwards. And in six weeks, it went down my T3. So it really can affect thyroid function. So you have to be really, really careful. So when it comes to hypothyroidism, I always say, find out why you have hypothyroidism first. You know, do you have Hashimoto's? If you've got Hashimoto's, then you want to be doing an anti-inflammatory diet, something like the autoimmune paleo, where there's going to be some really good carbs in there. You're taking out the most inflammatory foods. And I've seen that drop people's antibodies really, really quickly. If you've got a conversion problem, then you can do something that's still anti-inflammatory. You don't have to go as hardcore as the autoimmune, but doing something like a paleo-based diet or just a, a, a really healthy whole foods diet where you're really focused on micronutrients and getting in all those like the seleniums, the zinc, all of these things that are super important for thyroid function. But you don't want to be going keto long-term, maybe short-term and doing some carb cycling with your keto diet, great. That seems to really preserve the thyroid and help that metabolism to stay up. And then you get metabolic flexibility, which ideally this is what we all are wanting to go towards is metabolic flexibility, which means you can go into ketosis but then you can pull right out and you can go into the, the whole glucose world and get, get in your carbs. And then the next day, drop those carbs and you're right back into ketosis again. That's ideal. You go too low carb for too long. And that's signaling to the female system that there's not a lot of food around. There's a big fad right now, which is one meal a day. 
I'm sure you guys have heard of that, the OMAD diet. Once again, works like a charm in the beginning because you're drastically cutting calories. Weight loss happens over time. Your hormonal system goes, hmm, there's not a lot of calories coming in here. We must be in a famine or in winter. Let's slow down our, though these this hormone production because God forbid this person gets pregnant because they couldn't sustain the pregnancy. And we always have to remember we're here just to procreate as women. That's it on the inside doesn't they, they it doesn't realize that no we we're choosing not to have children these days or that there's right. you know food lining the grocery shelves and we can go get access to it anytime. The inside of your body doesn't know that. It is just simply here and driving itself to procreate. That is it. So you have to take that into consideration when it comes to diet. I've seen a lot of women who have come to me after, you know, two years of OMAD or keto and they lost their period. I had a girl, she was like 28 years old. She hadn't had her period in two years. And I said, well, why are you still continuing to do a ketogenic diet and fasting so much? She's like, well, it worked in the beginning and I lost a bunch of weight. And I'm like, yes, but have you lost any weight in the last year? She's like, no, like, and you've lost your period. And now you're going to try and have a baby. That's, you know, you, you, you just can't do that to yourself. We're women. We are here to feed a baby. So you start starving yourself out and start going super low carb or no carb or one meal a day. Your hormonal system does not like this. It's really good to do sometimes. Sometimes it's good to have just one meal a day, but not every day. You will pay for it hormonally and you will end up in the end gaining weight. And it's really hard to get this through our head because it can work so well in the beginning because you feel so good in the beginning. Men, on the other hand, when it comes to the ketogenic diet and fasting, we see their testosterone go up. <laughs> you guys are like, you know, it doesn't matter what's what's thrown at a man, they'll still procreate no matter what. Right. <laughs> they, can, they can still throw the seed around. It's not the same for women. They don't carry the child. So we actually see women's FSH go up when a woman is not eating enough and that she's going too low carb. So very tricky. Um, sometimes you hear the argument, calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's all that really matters. And what we're really hearing from you is that really the, the type of calories and how we are eating it can be extremely important, especially for women. Men, I guess they get away with it. But, <laughs> but and, and I like also the comment about, you know, we can kind of trick our body a little bit if we kind of adjust, which makes sense because, you know, our lifestyles are not always the same. There can be times where, you know, it, it is healthy to fast for a day or so or or cut our calories lower for a couple of days, but then introduce some of those carbs or calories back in, which makes our body go, okay, I, I'm going to adjust to that. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Exactly, Janet. Like we don't, your body will always adjust to what you're doing. So calorie in, calorie out, it does work for a while. Mm -hmm. And that theory, it, it still stands, it still has to be there. But it's not that simple because you drop your calories to 1200 
for instance, so you go on to my fitness pal and you type in, this is how much I want to lose. This is what I weigh. And this is how much exercise I get. And they're like, all right, you eat 1200 calories a day. By March 1st, you will have lost 20 pounds. And now how many of you can say that that actually happens, <laughs> right? You could follow right. it to a T, you start to lose weight. And then suddenly you're still, nothing's changed. You're still counting your calories. You're at 1200 calories a day. And then suddenly your weight stops losing going it's like what <laughs> that's because well, your bodies will adjust it will right. always your body, adjust to what you're doing your body goes into starvation mode and you know thyroid especially helps to regulate our metabolism so your thyroid level just goes down um you know to account to match for that. the food intake right now i will say this i've done a low calorie restriction before when i you know 12 years ago i lost 60 pounds and i did it by mostly cal um, caloric restriction and very low calories for sure and i experienced the same thing i mean my my metabolism went went down completely i knew it was my thyroid not that i necessarily had it checked but um you know i started to feel cold when i used to not feel cold so i knew my thyroid metabolism was way down now i will say this one of the ways to get your metabolism back up probably the most effective way is not necessarily eat more but exercise and then you can eat more and i'm not saying you yeah. should eat junk but exercise is really really what made it to raise you know double my um um my basal metabolism so you know i can't stress you know it's you know diet is part of it but so is exercise it's it's so important and eating around eating around exercise and just like you say a metabolic flexible i think if you look at our ancestors generations and generations ago um you know just like now we don't always do the same thing every day um if we do we can always eat the same thing every day but i know you know most anybody that has any kind of exercise program you know you're going to want to eat more on the days you exercise and maybe the days you take off eat very little yes right? yeah and that's the i think the trick because you have to remind yourself your body loves homeostasis doesn't like to lose weight it hates to lose weight so it's going to fight you tooth and nail so if you've got a lot to lose the calorie restriction model can work for oh, quite a while because you've got a lot of fat to lose but eventually the body goes mm -mm, we're going to lower the metabolism so we can meet this caloric intake it's why people that are on one meal a day they lose weight in the beginning and then it just stops. But according to these calculators and the whole calorie and calorie model, well, that shouldn't happen. I'm only eating 800 calories a day. I should be dropping weight all the time. And if that was the case, weight loss would be super freaking easy and none of us would be here. Right now, right, right? We wouldn't right. be talking about it, <laughs> but that's not the case. Your hormones start to shift and start to go, okay, this isn't good. We don't want to lose weight because then we can't procreate. Don't stop, you know, like stop the metabolism, slow everything down. So you have to work with your physiology. you got to work with the hormonal system. So you have to support the hormones while you're dieting. And I came up with a diet after, so I went through the keto phase, the paleo phase. I went through the fasting phase. I did it all. Like I said, I've been vegan. I've been vegetarian. And after working with so many women and seeing these repercussions of these extreme diets, I came up with something that works with a woman's physiology, which is you just, it's nothing new. Everyone, the people have heard of this before, but 
calorie cycling and carb cycling so that there's days where you're you've got a normal amount of calories coming in so for somebody like myself that might be around 1800 calories 2000 calories if i worked out that day and then the next day like you said sean maybe i'm not working out then guess what i'm gonna fast to like 12 1 2 o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. have two meals that day the next day I'll have go back. Maybe I'll go low carb for the day, but I'll have enough calories throughout the day. And then the next day it's a weekend. I'm going to increase the calories, have myself some treats. But when you look at it from a week's point of view, we are in a caloric deficit by the end of the week, but we have signaled to our hormonal system that everything's fine. There's lots of food around, no need to slow down the thyroid. We're all good. And so then it preserves the metabolism. And so I feel like that's such a great way to have maintenance, basically, like eat that way all the time. Go with your cycle. I tell women this constantly. First half of your cycle, we are estrogen dominant. We've got tons and tons of estrogen in our body and barely any progesterone. We also have a ton of testosterone. So utilize this. Estrogen makes us more insulin sensitive. Testosterone makes us more frisky. You want to get out there and like lift some weights and go exercise and do a hit class. Estrogen gives us um, serotonin, which makes us happier. We are more social. That's the time, if you ask me, to do things like fasting more, do more low carb, exercise more. That's when you do the hit classes and the big workouts. Second half of the cycle, estrogen comes down, so does testosterone, and progesterone goes up. Progesterone is this very calming hormone, very anti-anxiety. It raises our metabolism, thank goodness, because at this time, because we dropped that estrogen, now we get a little bit depressed. We want to make serotonin because that estrogen's not there anymore. So how do we make serotonin? Carbohydrates. So your body starts to crave these carbs. It's when it's really tough for women to say no to the chocolate and the higher carb count. So save it for when it's harder. And your, like I said, metabolism comes up. So it kind of counteracts that extra carbs that you're going to have in your diet. That's the time to do more like yoga, walking in nature, maybe just a little bit of weightlifting in the fitness class, but nothing too extreme. And roll with that. Don't do as much fasting. You know, eat more dark chocolate at that time. And if you can follow that and really tune into that, that now we're working with our hormones. We're working with the weight loss, the way it's meant to be worked with. If you're in menopause and you're like, Karen, I don't, I don't menstruate, so what do I do? Well, menopause, ladies, because that estrogen drops, because the progesterone drops and the testosterone, now we've got no means of making a lot of muscle. We've got no estrogen to help us be insulin sensitive. So a lot of women in menopause become insulin resistant and leptin resistant because of the loss of hormones. Same with cholesterol will go up. Progesterone, like I said, boosts the metabolism. So you replace the hormones at that time so that you don't run into those problems. And if you're eating right, and you're exercising, so you're circulating those topical hormones or the oral hormones. Now it's going to be reaching all the places it needs to reach inside the body. You've got a good gut microbiome in order to take on these hormones because if you don't and you're inflamed and you're not eating well and you start slapping estrogen on, 
guess what? You're probably going to gain some weight. So you want to set your whole system up with the diet that is needed for you. And then you can put those hormones on and get the most out of them. Well, in this last portion, we're talking about the lady that's went through menopause. Would you do um, an elimination diet to start her out with? Or how would you approach that? Would you, if she's really inflamed, I guess I'm thinking about that lady that's like, I'm packing on the pounds and I'm not really eating much and I'm running to the gym all the time. And, and, you know, there's some women that, you know, I can truly trust what they are saying and, and I don't think they're, they're giving me a story. So um, would you start with maybe eliminating that first and then for a short Mm -hmm. period of time? Yeah. So as much as I'm open to all sorts of diets, I've definitely seen, especially for menopausal and perimenopausal women, that the primal based diets are easiest to follow in the easiest weight loss. And I think it's because we are taking the inflammatory foods out, right? If you follow a paleo-based diet, which is moderate moderate amount of carbs, we're still eating fruit, sweet potato, potato, things like that. Some people can even get away with having a little bit of full-fat dairy in there. We're, you're taking out the grains, the beans, the processed sugars, the oils. So now we've removed all the main inflammatory foods. And because primal-based foods are very hard to overeat, right? I always say, like, if somebody gives you a steak, Janet, it's the best steak you've ever had in your life. It's a tenderloin. It's, like, amazing. Do you say, oh, my gosh, that was so good. Give me another steak. No, never, never. <laughs> well, no, and you know what? Even what I use, what I like to use as an as a comparison um, or an example is chicken breasts, because chicken breasts is probably harder to overeat than than a anything. Beef steak. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I was I super hungry. Right. I mean, I don't know if I could eat two chicken breasts, even if I was super hungry. Same. Oh, yeah, I don't think just, I could. No. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just too difficult. So. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's um, yeah. So elimination diet and yeah. But if I gave you a bowl of pasta, Sean, would you not be able to overeat that without hesitation? The whole thing, (laughs) right? Right. So even though all calorie restricted diets may work for weight loss, it's like what? But what's easiest? What's best for our hormones? Right? Good fats. We want to make our hormones. We want anti-inflammatory because if you're inflamed, your body doesn't, your gut's inflamed. You're not going to be taking on those hormones very well. You'll be recirculating them. If you're drinking alcohol, now your liver's got to take over, you know, processing your alcohol instead of the hormones. So we want a healthy body. We want to have the the whole foods that are good. Now, it's not to say some some women can absolutely get away with having some rice or some oats or, um, you know, whatever glute, I always say gluten-free products because I still think that gluten is, you know, a, a big no-no for most, but especially for women as we age, yep. we just, we, we need to make it as easy on ourselves as possible. We want to be on the lower carb end, possibly just doing that. Like I said, the cycling in and out of ketosis, having that metabolic flexibility and then getting the hormones where they need to be. And then the weight loss happens. If you're exercising and dieting, 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 doesn't matter what diet you're doing, calorie restricting, exercising, and there's no hormones, 
guess what? It then the whole calorie in calorie out goes right out the window. It doesn't work. I work with women like this all day, every single day, which is, oh, but I eat 1200 calories a day. Why am I not losing any weight? Because you have no hormones. Right. <laughs> I mean, we thyroid, see it. You got no hormones. Right. Obviously, we see it all the time in our pharmacy. And that's why the majority of our patients are, you know, perimenopause or postmenopausal women. Because, um, you know, and a lot of them have the complaint of, you know, I've been doing the same thing for 40 years. And now all of a sudden I can't lose weight. And that's, you know, hormones are a big piece of the puzzle for sure. Yeah. You can't diet your way out of hormone dysfunction or hormone no, loss. No. No. You can't. You know, one thing I wanted to comment on the, the cyclin the cycling diet, um, you know, to create metabolic flexibility, like you said. The thing I like about it also is not only physically does it work, but I think mentally it's a mentally. lot easier to do. Yes. Because you know, if you're gonna tell yourself, okay, seven days a week, I'm gonna, I am not gonna, I'm gonna have uh, one in twenty three or twenty three in one, uh, you know, one meal a day. So there's one hour time window of eating a day. You are going to. I'm just speaking for myself and yeah. the other patients. You are going to sit there and you're going to say, man, I can't wait till six o'clock. I can't wait till six o'clock. Can't wait till six o'clock so I can eat. And, you know, it's rather exhausting. Um, yeah. But I, agree. I will tell you, if you only have to do that two, three days a week or, you know, even one day you completely fast for completely a 24 hour fast 100%. for one day a week. Yep. It's, but the next day, you know, you're exercising and you're more active. So you're going to be eating more carbs. You're going to be eating more in general. It's not near as difficult. And, and I think if you look at us ancestrally speaking, that's probably what happened with most of our ancestors. Yes. If you look at generations and generations and generations ago, you know, you'd, you'd hunt, you'd have a big kill and you'd probably eat well for two or three days and you didn't have any refrigeration. So you couldn't store the meat. So in two or three days, it was going to be gone if it wasn't one day. Um, yeah, so you're going to eat good exactly. for two or three days. You might have, you know, some hunter gatherer stuff, some berries and some, you know, um, fruit, whatever, where you have those store and vegetables where you have those stored a little bit, a little, you could storm without them going bad, which is going to be a few days without refrigeration. Um, so you could eat those when you don't have enough meat. Um, but traditionally speaking, I think that's what we did. And then, you know, kind of the exercise too, when you went out and hunted, you know, you exercised a lot that day when you went out and hunted. So your reward was you got to eat more. And that's yes. really, I think if we just stick with that, I think we'd be a lot better off. Now, I interviewed Rob Wolf last week and he talked about, you know, he kind of was the one that talked about paleo and kind of made it popular to initially, he at did. least yeah. in my opinion. Me too. Yeah. yeah. He was one of the first guys I followed. Yeah. And um, it was a great podcast. We had him on for over an hour. Just a lot of great information. We have him. Um, scheduled to come on again in March. And, you know, he talked about that and he talked about how, and, you know, paleo is really ancestral eating. And so I think sometimes we, um, we limit paleo and we say, well, I eat paleo. So, you know, paleo is this, that, and the other. And Rob, Rob Wolf made it clear that paleo is ancestral eating. So if you grew up in, um, in Scandinavian, in the Scandinavian area, Northern Europe, you were going to eat different than somebody that grew up in Africa. Right. And, and you know what? There are some, this is what he said. He said, there are some, um, cultures that they ate 70% carbs. Yes. Yes. And, and they did, and they did Cadavans. just fine. Cadavans. Cadavans. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I would imagine. Yeah. And you know, then I think of, 
Um, and then I think of a and you know culturally speaking, let's say the the um, the native Alaskans or the other oh, Eskimos in yes. Alaska, very high fat, very high fat, very very low carb. They just didn't have it right. No, they had mostly meat, and they were able to dry it and store it so they could eat it year round. So it was very high fat, very high protein. Yet that's another reason when they switch over to um, you know a diet that is even a very much in carbs, they do very, very horribly. Yes. Are there, there are some cultures, you know, there are some cultures that if they if they ate carbs, you know, as a culture years and years ago, they they still do very well with them. You know, yeah. now that doesn't mean any of us should eat processed foods. And that doesn't no, mean that I yeah. don't. But yeah. <laughs> that's probably the biggest issue is processed foods. That that's the whole issue. Yeah. Because if we if we say paleo at all, that means you're not eating pot no matter what, if it's high carb paleo, low carb paleo. You're not eating processed foods because that's not what you did. <laughs> exactly. I always say too, like, think about what your great grandmother ate like. Right. Obesity right. was like unheard of. There was no such thing as calorie counting. They ate three, if they were lucky, meals a day. There was no snacking. It was just like nope. a very, like you had your eggs, maybe some oats and some lard on your homemade bread and that's what you had for breakfast, right? You know, yep. lunch would have been same homemade, maybe bread with some some real meat on it, like, and then dinner, right. meat, potatoes, and vegetable. That's it. Right. There was not that's this what... constant snacking and all this that just, no. all the processed foods and colors and oh my god, we're just being slaughtered with right now in North yeah. America. And that's part of the problem is we used to have access to food twenty four seven, darn near, and um, you know. I know, you know, you just brought up bread and, and I've, I've said this on our podcast before, I believe, or I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, bread gets such a bad rap, yeah. but you know what generate, you know, you can read there, there are cultures that baked bread thousands and thousands of years ago. And we did not have the chronic obesity with all the chronic disease that we have now. Yeah. So it's not bread. In fact, I dare anybody. I mean, I really dare anybody in today's culture. This is what I tell them. It's like it's like French fries or potatoes. Um, and I'll give that analogy next. But with bread, I dare anybody to eat too much bread. But here's the here's the caveat: you can't go to the store and buy it. You got to make it from scratch. You won't yeah. eat too much, yeah. especially if you have a family. You won't because you won't. It's it's too much work. Yeah, you know, it's going to take you a half a day to build it. And this is what I, I challenge you to: if you want to eat French fries, eat French fries. I want you to make them yourself. I want you to cut up the potatoes yourself. I want you to deep fry them yourself, the whole shebang. And I want you to eat too many French fries. I, I dare you. Yeah. That's pretty I mean, much you know, how we eat French fries in my house is once. And I, I'm not kidding. Like we'll maybe do this three times a year. It's a, it. yeah, it's, it's a so lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Right. I've done it before. And it is yeah. a lot of work to, to, to cut up those potatoes, get the oil boiling and, and, and fry the fries. It's a lot yeah. of work, but it's really easy when you just go to fast food or you take them out of the freezer and you just warm it up in the oven or whatever. Those are really easy to eat because you just have an unlimited source. So that's another thing about about processed foods is one of the problems is you don't have to prepare it. If we have to prepare our food, we're not going to eat too much bread. We're not going to eat too much, um, you know, French fries or potatoes. And, you know, potatoes are one that gets a bad rap. And, you know, I look at it generationally speaking. Yeah. And generationally awesome. speaking, like you said, there were cultures we that for years potatoes. lived on yeah. potatoes. They're easy to cultivate. They're cheap. Yeah. They're cheap. Right. And they're, they're a good calorie source and, and, and they store well. I mean, they're they one do. of the few, 
vegetables, you know, that, that can store all year long, as long as you keep them cool. I mean, yeah. pretty much. So, um, yeah. you know, they're a great source of food. I think it's just so important for everybody to go, what do I need right now? Like all these great whole foods, like if you eat fermented sourdough bread or you're making your own yogurt, like all of these things can be really healthy for one person, but for the next person, if you're diabetic or insulin resistant, or if you've got an autoimmune disease or really bad gut problems, then these foods, even though they're super healthy and good, you, you got to pull them out for a while and you got to repair your body. But the yep. goal is to try to incorporate these things back in. I mean, I've been working on my own diet for like 10 years. I just finally got rid of my histamine issues and I can eat citrus fruits again. I've been putting a smidge of gluten here and there, but and it doesn't bother me like it used to. I used to blow up and have this great big gut from it. And I can eat a little bit of these little grains here and there now. And it's like, woohoo, I can, I can eat this right. again. But some and people it, can, and it's great. Right. And it's a dynamic process. Like you say, it's ne it's always changing always and everybody changing. is different. And, and and I tell patients all the time and, and on our podcast, I, I say, look, you got to find out what diet works for you. There are some good ones out there. Um, the only bad one, is I think the SAD, which is a standard American diet. That's obviously a bad diet. Yeah. I mean, that goes without saying, right? <laughs> um, but um, other than that, there's keto might work, paleo might work, yes. not for everybody. Carnivore might work, not for everybody. Um, I think I like to give the comparison to. I have a twin brother. He's identical twin brother. We, you know, we share a lot of the same traits. Um, one of the things we do very differently is our workouts. So he is a bodybuilder, and I'm an endurance athlete. So, yeah. you know he he exercises a lot different than i do that's so strange um, you look like you would be a bodybuilder not a strange. <laughs> you know, like you're i've seen your pictures online you're, well, yeah. like you're you've got that <laughs> well, stocky big yes, muscle look well, well thank you thank you that, that's a compliment <laughs> yes and it I, is i just happen to be a mesomorph which is my body type which makes me put on muscle math very easy and i will tell you that that does make endurance sports a little bit more difficult because I can put on body mass very easy, but that also means I can put on muscle mass, which means I can be very strong. So, um, I, when I go to races, I mean, I'll get comments all the time. like, you look like a bodybuilder. Cause you know, I'm racing against these guys that are, you know, 135 pounds, and they're, you know, <laughs> five foot nine and they don't have a big upper body. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to look like that, honestly, and maybe it does hurt my competitiveness, but I would rather do this for overall health than, you know, just for, uh, you know, how fast can I race? I want to, I want to be the healthiest person I can. And I, I believe in putting on as much muscle mass as you can without getting too bulky, like some bodybuilders do. I know the bodybuilder is going to kill me for that one, but, um, you know, that's, that's what a healthy male should look like in my opinion we should have muscles everywhere legs legs upper body everything whereas a lot of cyclists don't so getting off that tangent so that was a good that was a good compliment though thank you karen so i but what i'll tell them when they say that when i'm you know on the podium they're like wow you look like a bodybuilder you know and i'm standing on the podium i'm like well you ought to see my brother he really is a bodybuilder and he's a lot bigger than me so but he doesn't he doesn't eat very much carbs and he and i will say we get into debates all the time because he tries to tell me how to eat and i'm like dude you have never ridden a bike at threshold heart rate for, you know, two hours. And you, so it's really difficult for you to tell me to eat ketosis or eat sardines or drink oil while I'm at threshold heart rate. It, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And, no. and so, right. 
Anyway, I eat totally different than he does. I eat a lot more carbs than he does, obviously, because I'm burning them. Um, and, yeah. you know, he eats he eats pretty much paleo, carnivore, keto um, because he can because his workouts don't require a lot of carbohydrate because he's not burning them. So I think it's a perfect example that I can use to to say how it's not just about your genetics. It's about your environment, too. Um, you know, Shane and I obviously share the same genetics, but we have to eat differently because we work out differently. So yeah, yeah. And I, you know, my sister, she's this like little bean pole, super skinny, and she's a sugar fanatic. She probably pounds back about 5,000 calories a day. And look at her, like she's tiny. <laughs> if I did that, I would be like 300 pounds. Right. right. And I'm like, yeah, hello, calorie in, calorie out works. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> There's other things at play here. That's right. But yes, it's important, I really think, to find your weight loss code. You know, talking about Rob Wolf, he's got a great book that's all about carb tolerance. And everybody's going to be different. Like, I can eat ice cream till the cows come home. I never get, I never gain weight. I can eat potatoes all day long, never gain weight. Put me on rice, cake, cookies, I'll, I blow up. So yeah. it's every single one of us is going to need something different. And it's really important to quit jumping onto the next best diet and instead try just do some testing, you know, get yourself a blood sugar monitor or CGM and see how you react to different foods and different, you know, stress management techniques and sleep. And all of these things have a massive impact on your body's ability to lose weight. So, you know, test your hormones, test your blood sugar, test your carb tolerance, see what is going to work for you and your body at this time. Absolutely. I want to back up a little bit. This mm -hmm. is going way back like 30 minutes. Um, okay. But we talked about men and hormones and how um, women, you know, are meant to carry babies. So when their hormones are, when their diet affects their hormones, it really throws things off. But let's, let's just say this and it, men, it does, you said men, it doesn't affect as much. And, and I agree with that. I totally agree with that. But I will say this, um, over the last 20 to 30 years, we have seen an epidemic of low testosterone in young males. We're yeah. talking in their twenties that have low testosterone. And I think it's mostly yeah. diet lifestyle I related. So I mean, what else could it be? Right. Yep. So men, if you caught that, um, it does matter what we eat and it does matter the activity we do. And if you want to be a man that is manly and you want to be able to have a optimal testosterone when you are younger, I suggest you eat well, you eat well, eat healthy foods, eat whole foods, and you lift heavy things and you exercise and are active. Because if you are sedentary, you're one of those guys sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and drinking beer, which I use that analogy often. So you guys are not su surprised by that one. Um, it is going to affect your testosterone levels and you will be sorry later in life. Sometimes younger, you're just not going to be sorry about it. But later in life, you will be very sorry because you'll end up with sarcopenia, a lot of atrophied muscle if you don't have any muscle. And um, that's a bad thing because it's harder yeah. to build muscle when you're when you're older. And there's, you know, Sean, I'm sure you know this already. There are so many testosterone clinics for men, way more than there is for women. Yeah. Men can go out and get testosterone at the drop of a hat without a problem. But it, the, the same rules apply, guys, is you can't just slap on testosterone no. and think no. you're going to be okay. 
Right. It doesn't work like that. No, it if you're piling like sugar back and you're insulin resistant, that testosterone is going to aromatize into estrogen and you're going to get the man boobs and you start gaining weight, getting pudgy, and you're going to lose your sex drive. It's you, you and slapping on testosterone is not the answer. You have to fix the system first. And then well, if it's still low, okay. And testosterone is made to make us men. It's made, it's what creates the difference between men and women, literally, is that we have more testosterone than women. Um, that's what makes us different. And it's made us to, it wants us to make us be competitive, to compete in whatever that is, to be, to be virulent, to be um, vital, um, you know, increase vitality. But if you don't have that drive and you don't make your body do that, the testosterone is just going to further suppress. Your testes are going to say no. I don't need testosterone because this guy lives a sedentary lifestyle. So there you go. Yeah. And it's so interesting that too much sugar and processed foods in a woman will create high testosterone. And in men, it'll create high estrogen. That is interesting. And it's, isn't it? Yeah, and it's probably because of the aromatase. The aromatization it is, yeah. Issue. Yeah. 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 And that's why you see, you know, you see a lot of men nowadays. I mean, my brother and I talk about it all the time. You see these young men in their 20s and they just look so soft. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, back when I was in high school, if you were 18 or 19 years old, you were ripped. I mean, most <laughs> people in high school, there was always one little yeah. fat kid. You know, mm -hmm. but most kids were ripped. Now it just—I mean—you got all these soft males going around, and I think it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a big, big problem. I completely agree. Yeah, and then we've got so much xenoestrogens in the environment yep. impacting men and women as well. So you got to clean everything. You got to clean up inside your body and in your environment. It's so important because yeah, it's masculinity. It's masculinity and femininity is what makes us who we are. Right. That's right. It's, That's it gives right. us our vitality. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Karen, as we wrap this show up, um, I so appreciate you being on, first of all. Uh, great information. We're going to have to have you on again because we could talk and talk and talk. I love it. Um, obviously, we both have a passion for hormones. Um, so tell us, though, with your passion, what specifically do you have a passion for? Is there more than just hormones? I'm sure there is. Oh, well, these days it just feels like it's hormones. <laughs> it's like my whole business. I'm very, actually very passionate about businesses. I do a lot of business coaching for people awesome. that are just starting their online um, business that are interested in doing nutrition or hormones. And I love getting them going and getting them started and helping them grow their businesses as well as my own. Um, besides that, I'm a big skier right now. I ski tons with my family. Um, love that. And I'm a big traveler or was not so much the last couple of years, right. <laughs> but, yep. and since having children, but I've traveled the world. I've lived in India. I've lived in Mexico, Tokyo. Wow. I've lived, I uh, was in Nepal for a couple of months. I've been all over the place. So those are my passions. I would say. That's right. You live in British Columbia, don't you? I do. Yeah. yeah I did live in the States too. I lived in the States for two years. I lived yeah. in Colorado. And so you live close to Whistler? Yes, for okay. four or five hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never skied there or snowboarded there, but I've mountain biked there a lot, and I really miss Whistler. It's, it's the best mountain biking park in the world. It is. It's, Hands and down. it's stunning. Although, Sean, come to where I am. We are known to have the best mountain biking. Where, where's that at? It's called Kamloops, British Columbia. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've read about it. Yeah. So we have a, a great ski hill called Sun Peaks. And in the wintertime, I mean, in the summertime, it's just exploded in the last five years for mountain bikers. It's huge. Awesome. 
So, and cheaper than Whistler. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Whistler ain't cheap. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. Um, So, well, thank you for being on, uh, Karen. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? KarenMartell.com as well. My podcast, The Other Side of Weight Loss, which is tons of what we're just talking about here today. So, And I'll be on your podcast next week. Yes. It won't be aired next week, but we're recording next week and it'll be on shortly after that. Perfect. Awesome. I so appreciate being on. And you'll want to tune in this Wednesday, uh, 1030, I believe. I'm going to have um, Anna Rockstar is her name. And she has a weight loss transformation story. She's lost like 100 pounds. And she's teaching women how to um, you know, exercise and lose weight. And I'm really super excited to have her on and just continue this you know, ever-ending, never-ending journey of educating and empowering people to take charge of their own health care. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Karen. I really appreciate it. So thanks you everybody for tuning in and listening and watching. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for listening and watching.